And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. This is the second episode of the new season, whatever you want to call it. Episode 36 is what I'm going to refer it to. Come on in, sit down, relax, take your shoes off, stay a while, please, because we have a ton of things to talk about. We have the first week of college football, we have the second week of college football, and NFL is back, and boy oh boy, could I not be happier about that. I'm just going to jump right into it here. So, on Friday, a Big Ten team struggled mightily with a mid-major. They had Utah State going to Michigan State. Michigan State was just barely able to pull out the victory in this one, 38-31. And another Big Ten team struggled with another mid-major that had upsets on its record. Penn State had to go to overtime to beat Appalachia State, but they they, they did it. I'm going to give them credit on that. They did do it, but 45-38, the Nittany Lions won in overtime. Two Big Ten teams that are slated to be good in contention throughout the year in the Big Ten and pose some threats to Ohio State, allegedly having a hard time right out of the gate. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two teams continue to progress, how Penn State continues to try and replace Saquon Barkley, and how um, Michigan State can just not rebound, because they won the game, but build off of what they went through and take the positives from uh, from a bad game by them to take some positives from that and say, hey, we were we're in a tough tough game, first game of the year shouldn't have been, but we did that, we overcame, and we now know that hey, if we are in a tough game, we have this experience to lean back on. So. Trying to pull some positives for both of these teams. What I said about tough games and leaning on that for experience can also apply to Penn State as well. So trying to stay a little positive for both of them. I don't think this is going to be any indication of what the season for both these teams is going to hold. I think they are good teams. I don't know what happened. I think maybe first game of the year, Appalachia State and Utah State come in. They feel a little disrespected, all of that. The energy that that is when you come into a Big Ten school, a big school, um, Michigan State 11th in the country, Penn State 10th in the country, uh, underdog teams, mid-major teams come into those and they feel just, it's like the Super Bowl somewhat, I feel like that's what might be the case and maybe Penn State and Michigan State weren't taking them as serious as they should have, but in no way do I think those two games are going to be an indication of how they are the seasons are going to pan out for both of them. Then we now look at another Big Ten team. I'm not really trying to start this off with Big Ten. It's just sort of how it happened, how the cookie crumbled. But the Longhorns, Texas, 23rd in the country, had the task of handling Maryland, who, I mean, you would think this would be an easy one for Texas. 23rd in the country, Maryland, without a head coach. Matt Canada, the intern coach, been an offensive coordinator um, for much of his coaching career but Maryland comes out and wins this one and they 
dominated the game. I know the score is going to indicate that it was closer. 34-29, Maryland did pick up the win, but Maryland dominated this game. Their quarterback play by Hill was great. He's mobile, but they don't lean on him to do that too much. He uh, 222 yards and a touchdown through the air. Very game manager-esque, but um, the defense for Maryland was very, very good, and it an upset led them to the upset of the Longhorns. Is Texas back? I last week thought they were going to be, and apparently I am wrong. It's very discouraging for Texas fans, I'm sure, because the games that they had to start off the year, the very winnable games, I mean, Maryland, all the issues they've had off the field, and the talent on the field, you would think Texas is going to field a better team, and ultimately I think Texas is the better team. I just don't know what happened. The game was uh, at Washington, the Redskins, uh, the Redskins field. So Maryland close to that, maybe that played a factor. I don't know, but Texas just came out flat in this game, and it showed um, Maryland took the fight to them and pulled it off. I'll be the first to say Texas is not back. They are a bit a bit away from being back, honestly, and that's being generous with just a bit. I think they do have a long way to go before they end up officially back. Now I just want to run through some blowout games and touch on those a little bit. FAU and Lane Kiffin went to Oklahoma where they were decimated 63-14. Kyler Murray stepped in for Baker Mayfield in his first start and did incredible. He was 9 for 11, but on those 9 completions, 209 yards, 2 touchdowns. Anderson, the running back for Oklahoma, 5 carries, 100 yards and 2 touchdowns. That's 20 yards on average per carry for all you mathematicians out there. People said, hey, take the over. Yeah, over hit. Congratulations. But people thought maybe FAU was going to be able to keep this game a little bit closer than what it was, and it was just not close at all. Then we move to the second team in the country, Clemson. They hosted Furman. Clemson won this one 48-7, and Trevor Lawrence threw for three touchdowns. The freshman comes in, takes over for Kelly Bryant. It's going to be interesting to see how that whole situation is handled throughout the year. Clemson's D-line showed up in a big way. They dominated the line the entire game. But the big story here is Trevor Lawrence is now putting up big numbers for Clemson. I want to see how they can handle Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant. That's going to be something to keep your eye on for the rest of the year, or at least until they solidify and say, hey, this is the guy. Another blowout game from a Big Ten team. We have Ohio State. They were fifth in the country taking on Oregon State. 77-31. to Buckeyes put up 77 points. Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback for Ohio State, taking over for JT Barrett in his first career start. 313 yards, 5 touchdowns, and interception. Another big game out of Mike Weber. He had 20 carries for 186 yards and 3 touchdowns. A nice little complimentary back is what Mike Weber was thought to be to J.K. Dobbins. But it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that game by game. The 
running back committee there in Columbus between Dobbins and Weber. Uh, Terry McLaurin had four receptions, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. I love that guy. He just always seems to find the space in the defense where no one is, and he's got he's a burner. He can get after it once the ball is in his hands, runs well with it. Nick Bosa also had a couple of sacks and a defensive touchdown when he recovered a fumble in the end zone. So good for him. Uh, Dwayne Haskins and Nick Bosa getting their Heisman campaign started off in a big way. Then the big game on Saturday night, Louisville, oof, they played Alabama and Alabama sure played them. Tua Tungalova got the start. It was rumored that maybe Hertz was going to. That was the storyline all um, offseason throughout camp, throughout the summer. Who was going to start? Jalen Hurts, Tua. Jalen Hurts, Tua. And uh, Tua got the start. 227 yards and two touchdown for him in this game. Damian Harris had seven carries and 55 yards. They Alabama still did use uh, Jalen Hurts. They brought him in. He had a very serviceable game. Uh, Nick Saban blew up on the reporter after the game for asking him how is this going to impact who plays, who starts, all that. And he really didn't enjoy being attacked, as uh, he kind of put it. I don't think it's attacking. I think it's a question you're going to be asked, Nick. Uh, do a little bit better th- when you're asked tough questions. Oh, oh, the Ohio State fans taking shots at Nick Saban for not answering questions that well when Urban Meyer didn't answer questions that well either. Yeah, I understand. Valid point. But... Nick Saban, you know that's going to be a question. You should have a better answer. Urban Meyer, you knew that was going to be a question. You should have had a better answer. So Alabama rolls on. They play Arkansas State now. Two cupcake games to open the season. To keep it local now, I'd like to talk about UK football as they took on Central Michigan in that game, the opener. Kentucky wins 35-20, but I think it is quite possibly the worst way to win because... Terry Wilson got to start for UK, talented Juco coming in, his stat line, 78 yards, two interceptions, he was never vaunted or brought in to be this great passer, they don't need him to be, but he needs to do better than what he did, he gets hurt for a little bit and they bring in Gunnar Hoke, and he does well, he gets a scoring drive to end the first half. Things are looking good. Benny Snell was in his usual form. 20 carries, 125 yards, two touchdowns. So Benny picking up right where he left off last season. That's great. What is very concerning as a Kentucky fan, and I think Big Blue Nation should be concerned about, is a quarterback controversy that is going to last all season is not something this team needs. And... I think, yeah, Terry is going to start against Florida. They've come out. They said that. I think that's good for him and his confidence to show, hey, we still believe in you. But if he starts playing badly, he starts sucking, they're going to bring in Gunner, And I think he can do just as well, if not better, in different aspects. Obviously, Gunner the better thrower. Terry, the better runner. It's about who's going to have the hot hand, I guess. And that's a terrible way to decide who's going to be playing for you at quarterback probably the most important position on the field so like I said Kentucky wins this one 35-20 but the way they did it um, Central Michigan was in the game for most of it Um, they led um, a lot of the game and now you have a quarterback controversy that you already had to begin with and you had all summer and all offseason to figure out and you still couldn't do it Kentucky so hopefully that is figured out um, sooner than later or else it's going to be a long season, I feel like, for Kentucky. 
Another big game to talk about from this past weekend, you had the 6th-ranked Washington Huskies playing the ninth ranked Auburn Tigers. Auburn won this one by 5, 21-16. Uh, Jared Stidham had 273 yards and a touchdown. Jake Browning for Washington, their quarterback, 296 yards, one touchdown, but an interception. Gaskin, the running back for Washington, only 75 yards, was held out of the end zone on the ground, so... Browning and Gaskin are going to make that Washington offense go, and they just couldn't get it going this game, and it was very evident in the score. I thought this game was going to be a little bit more high scoring. It wasn't. Auburn's defense came up, showed up, came up, showed up, same difference, showed up, and were ready to play. Their front seven was very good. The defensive line, very good. As I said before, Probably the second best defensive line in the country behind Clemson. But they showed up, and it was good to see that Auburn, who some people are saying has a bit of buzz around them as a sleeper pick this year. Sure, sleeper pick as much as a ninth-ranked team in the country can be, but that's okay. Auburn won that one 21-16. Now, another team in the SEC that is having a great first week. LSU, 25th in the country, took on the 8th-ranked Miami Hurricanes, and LSU dominated this game. Miami could not stop LSU's running back, Brosette. I'm going to be honest, I have the name right here in front of me. I apologize if I mispronounced it, but 22 carries, 125 yards, and two touchdowns for that young man on the ground. Joe Burrow, the Ohio State quarterback who transferred to LSU, a very dismal 11 of 24 for 140 yards. I think LSU fans haven't gotten to see his full potential yet. And when they do, that they're going to be even more excited about him than all the Ohio State fans that know how good he is than they are rooting for LSU. Columbus was the third-ranked market for this game. I imagine it was to see all the Ohio State fans watching Joe Burrow. I think Miami was like eighth. Your team was in the game, and you were an eighth-ranked TV market. How is that possible? I don't find that. Uh, very believable. I did. I mean, it did happen, but I think that's absurd for that to happen. But uh, Coach O had the Tigers coming out. I feel like uh, they. I feel like Coach O told him, "Hey, you're getting pretty disrespected here. We're better than what people are saying. Let's go show them." And that's exactly what they did. I think LSU is going to have a good year. I don't think we need to um, overhype them and give them too much confidence just yet. I think they are going to have some struggles, especially if Joe Burrow doesn't pick up his play. You're not going to get many wins with just 140 yards, no touchdowns from your quarterback. But it was enough in this game. Uh, LSU's defense had uh, pick six as well on uh, Rozier, the quarterback for Miami. He finished with 215 yards, a touchdown, but two interceptions, one of those uh, returned for a touchdown. So, again, LSU's defense is always very good. And another thing that I've noticed watching LSU through the years, there is always a cornerback. This year it's number one. I don't know his name, but number one for LSU. Next time you watch an LSU game, please notice, he is going to have about 10 little sweatbands lining both of his arms, and I think it is one of the coolest things that LSU has going for them because each one of those, I feel like, just gives them a little bit more power, a little bit more strength, keeps his hands, wrists, everything else dry. They're just absorbing so much of that sweat. So, shout out to number one on LSU and shout out to the Tigers for getting a big win over Miami. Once again, taking them down 33-17. to 
Last two games I want to talk about, kind of disappointing games for two teams. You had the 14th ranked Michigan Wolverines going to the 12th ranked Notre Dame fighting Irish. Brandon Wimbush had 170 yards through the air and a touchdown. Did have an interception though, but he also had 59 yards on the ground. Shea Patterson, the highly touted transfer from Ole Miss quarterback for Michigan, 227 yards and an interception and turned the ball over on the last possession for Michigan when they had a chance to go down and tie the game. Boy, Michigan is not good in big games. Jim Harbaugh is very good against um, other teams besides uh, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and now Notre Dame. It begs the question, can he win big games? Um, Should the Michigan fans be pushing the panic button? What is going on? Their defense played well. The defense was the strong suit of that team. It always was. Um, But boy, tough because... Notre Dame played very well, and I think the game was a little bit... It's going to be seen as closer than it actually was, I feel like, by the score, because I feel like Notre Dame controlled how the game was played very well. I think they were very physical. I think they dominated the line of scrimmage, and I just think Michigan was taken out of their element, and it's going to be interesting to see how Harbaugh continues... This season, how he the team progresses because it's it doesn't look great right now, and maybe that's just because Notre Dame is so damn good. They could be. I don't. I don't believe so. But yes, they're good. I'm not saying they're not, but I don't think they're college football playoff contenders or anything like that. But boy, Michigan is left shaking, scratching, SMHing, whatever you want to say, their heads. So it's gonna be imperative for Jim Harbaugh to have Shea Patterson play better and you would think he would have by now I know he's only been there um since he transferred there but the way Harbaugh and the track record he has the way he handles quarterbacks you would think he would have played a little bit better in his first game there but just not the case then the final game of the first weekend of college football. You had Virginia Tech, 20th in the nation, going to Florida State, 19th in the nation. Florida State, with all the hype of Willie Taggart there, the coach from Oregon coming in, how was he going to do? How was that offense going to look? Before I get into that, Virginia Tech won this game 24-3. DeAndre Francois coming off of the torn ACL, had 233 yards and three interceptions. Not the best. Um, Akers, the running back for Florida State, 82 yards, not the best either. What was concerning for me, if I was a Florida State fan watching this game, was Florida State tried to get the outside, they tried to get on the edges, and they just couldn't. Virginia Tech's defense was flying around, they were able to get out there, um, keep spacing well, keep extending the play further and further towards the sideline. And if they weren't doing that, they were just coming and attacking. And it was impressive to see. Um, Jackson for Virginia Tech, he had 207 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Um, Florida State, when they did have success, it was up the middle um, between the hashes. If that's something Taggart needs to adjust and attack that more, which he might need to do, maybe that's where the strength is for this Florida State team, then do it. I think he's a good enough coach to do that, but um, 
a pretty bad loss on your as your first game as head coach at home. You fall flat on your face on national TV, 24-3. Virginia Tech, once again, picking up the victory in this one. All right, now we move on to week two of college football. And I'm going to be honest with you, there is not a lot of big games this weekend. Mississippi State, Kansas State. Mississippi State gets back Nick Fitzgerald, um, quarterback for them who was suspended the first game. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I think that game is going to be closer than what people are saying. This isn't a gambling podcast, but the spread is 9.5. I think Kansas State and Bill Snyder keep it closer than that, and especially since it's at Kansas State, I think that's definitely going to help them out. UCLA goes to Oklahoma. UCLA lost to Cincinnati last weekend in Chip Kelly's first game, and Desmond Ritter was underneath center for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Shout out to San X Tigers. I think Kyler Murray and Oklahoma just continue their dominance that they've shown. Um, Lincoln Riley is such a good coach. Um, Taylor's the offense for the quarterback, what they do well, and it's so innovative. I just think Oklahoma rolls in that one. Again, Arkansas State plays Alabama. That's duh, Alabama. Um, Clemson in the biggest game. Clemson plays Texas A&M. Taking place at Texas A&M. I think Clemson wins this one. I think it's very close. I think Trevor Lawrence in this one, though, comes out. And he might struggle a little bit. And then Kelly Bryant might come and bail out Clemson from his experience. What I think that's one case. Or I think Kelly Bryant starts the game. Doesn't do as well as he should. And then Trevor Lawrence comes in and saves the day. And if that's the case, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback from here on out for me for Clemson. If it's the other way around, I think it keeps going back and forth, back and forth. But if it's the first option where Bryant struggles and Lawrence comes in, I think it's his job for the rest of the year. Penn State plays Pitt. I think Penn State wins that one. It is at Pitt, so that's a big help for the, uh, what are they, Pitt Panthers, the Panthers. I think that's a big help for Pitt, but I just don't foresee it going down that well for them. I think Penn State comes out pretty pissed off about last week. I think James Franklin, uh, even though he is a dickhead, is a good coach and will have them ready to come out. Michigan State goes to Arizona State. People think that that could be a trap game for Michigan State. I think that's um, far from it now after what they experienced last week. I think they go and they embarrass Arizona State, and I think everyone's like, holy shit, Herm Edwards, the guy from Sunday NFL Countdown and NFL Live, he's actually a coach of a college football team, and they are not doing so well. USC, in probably the biggest game of the week, goes to Stanford. This game's on Fox at 8.30 p.m. Bryce Love Boy, his Heisman campaign did not get off to a good start last week. He only had 29 yards on 18 carries. Um, The freshman quarterback for USC, Daniels, had 282 yards and a touchdown. It's going to be interesting to see how USC's, I think their offense is a little bit more explosive, how Stanford's going to be able to handle that because uh, San Diego State was able to do a lot against them. Granted, they only scored 10 points but they were moving the ball very easily so it's going to be easy I don't think it's going to be as easy for USC to do I think Stanford's going to come back and play better on the defensive side of the ball but I like USC in this one I think Love has a big game but I like USC in this one 
So that's going to do it for week two of college football. Like I said, there's not a lot to talk about this week in particular. But now we get to move on to the guys that are getting paid or the ones that are supposed to be getting paid. Let's talk a little NFL football. All right, we get the NFL football season kicked off on Thursday night. The Falcons go to the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Carson Wentz will not be playing in this game. Well, he will not be starting. He hasn't been cleared for contact, so more than likely not playing either. I think the Falcons are going to win this one. I think Julio Jones is going to rebound from last year's not by any means bad season, but didn't find the end zone enough is what the Falcons are saying. I think they're going to make it a point to get him the ball. I think Devontae Freeman for them has a good game and a good year. Uh, Tevin Coleman for them, their two-back system with him, him being able to come out and catch the ball is going to be huge for them throughout the entire year. I think Matt Ryan is going to find that uh, middle level from last year and the year before that one. He was uh, a candidate for the National Football MVP, and he did end up winning it, I think, and they went to the Super Bowl. I think he's going to find his happy medium, and I think Falcon fans are going to be happy throughout this year. I definitely think they make a big win here and a big statement win for them as they defeat the Eagles in the first game. Uh, of the NFL season that the game is going to have a lot of eyes on them. And if they show up, it's going to be a big statement win for them. Then another big game to talk about on Sunday, the Steelers go to the Browns, the Browns drafting Baker Mayfield first overall in the NFL draft, but saying, nope, you're not going to start. They bring in Tyrod Taylor through trade. He is going to get the start. They bring in Jarvis Landry as well. Carlos Hyde. And they draft Nick Chubb. Uh, Josh Gordon could be back for that game. Um, David Njoku, the tight end for them, has been having a good preseason, even though he struggled with drops. It's been very interesting to see the progression and how this team has grown and just the inner workings of this team on Hard Knocks. Last episode is tonight. I'm recording this on Tuesday because I am prepared and I am not a procrastinator. But it's been very interesting to see how they have progressed and everything. And I think the Browns are going to be poised for huge success this year. And by huge success, I mean they'll probably win at least more than four games, which is, I mean, hell, you're doing 400% better than what you were last year if you do that. So look at you, Hugh. I think Hugh Jackson is a good players coach. It still remains to be seen if he's a good coach coach, if that makes any sense, because the record's been so bad. The Steelers on the other side of the field, they could be without Le'Veon Bell. He has still failed to report two Steelers practice and... You hate to see that. He hasn't signed the franchise tag yet. I mean, I get where he's coming from. Hey, I'm a good running back. I'm kind of the face of this team. You could say Big Ben is. You could say Antonio Brown. But a lot of that offense and, and the success that team goes through Le'Veon. So he hasn't been offered his contract 
that he wants. Steelers keep franchise tagging him, which is still he's going to make $14 million, which that's nothing to scoff at, but he could be making so much more. And I, I'm i on the side of the players here. I used to be on the side of the teams and the owners and everything like that. How could you be so selfish to get this money? And then you realize, hey, the average playing time in the NFL isn't that long. Um, you're risking a lot. With your body, with your brain, everything like that, as a player, with all the hits you take, get your money. I'm all for it. I understand what he feels like he should be paid, and I agree with him. I'm very tempted to take the Browns in this, but I think the Steelers win a very close game. The spread's three and a half. I think it's close, very around that. I mean, obviously, people are getting paid to make these lines, and they know what they're doing. So I'm going to agree with them on this one. I think it's going to be a very close game, but Pittsburgh does end up winning it. Next game to look at, the Jaguars go to the Giants. Two great running backs are going to square off in this one. Leonard Fournette after his big rookie year, and then rookie himself, Saquon Barkley for the Giants. It's going to be a hell of a year for him, I feel like. I think he is right now pegged as the NFL Rookie of the Year with good reason. He's a hell of a talent. It's going to be interesting to see how Eli Manning in maybe his last year uh, in the NFL. Last year, he did not do well. was actually benched for some reason because Ben McAdoo is a fucking idiot. But whatever. What do I know? But... It's going to be interesting to see how maybe Saquon can take some pressure off of Eli because the Giants haven't had a running game really since Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw were there, and that was ages ago. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how maybe Saquon takes the pressure off, opens some passing lanes. Eli can make some easier throws to Odell, who just got paid. So now he can go on boat trips and do cocaine and smoke weed in bed and everything with models, and it'll be all good. Just don't let those pictures get out, Odell. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, Open up lanes to Odell. Evan Ingram, the talented uh, second-year player, tight end out of Ole Miss. Sterling Shepard, open up lanes for him, who had a bit of a down year last year. He was hurt, so was Odell. But if Saquon can take some pressure off, I think the Giants come back and they have a very, very good year. I think if Saquon performs well as he's expected to, the Giants are making the playoffs. Then we have a NFC South matchup. We have the Buccaneers playing the Saints. I think the Saints win this one. Even without Morgan Ingram, Alvin Kamara, the second year back out of Tennessee, showed he's a hell of a player. Drew Brees, they're not leaning on him as much as they used to, which is big because he's getting up there in age. He's 36 or 37 right now, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I just think the Saints win this one. Um, The Texans go to the Patriots. I think the Patriots win that one. I think this could also be Tom Brady's last year if the Patriots end up do winning the Super Bowl, which I will have my division picks and Super Bowl picks at the end of these breakdowns. Then another game on that weekend slate, the 49ers go to the Vikings. 49ers just locked Jarek McKinnon for the year, um, who they brought in in free agency, who was on the Vikings last year. Who was he's a burst of energy every time he gets the ball. He has that big playability every time. I was excited to see how him, uh, Jimmy G, out in San Francisco did. Um, I thought they could have been. It could have created magic. I really thought they could have. But I'm interested to see how Kirk Cousins um, adjusts to 
playing in Minnesota. He's got better receivers than I think he's ever had in Washington. He's got Stephon Diggs. He's got Adam Thielen. He's got Kyle Rudolph at tight end. Shout out to him being on my fantasy team. And I know you all are probably like, we could give two fucks about your fantasy team. And I agree. If you see me out, I really don't want to talk about your fantasy team that much. But come on, I'll listen to it. Sure. But It's going to be interesting to see how Cousins is able to use all these weapons that he hasn't really had before. Then another game to look at on the AFC side. The Bengals go to the Colts. That is on CBS. Thank God I love living so close to Cincinnati where I get to watch a shit team play almost every weekend because it's in my home market. The big news here is Andrew Luck is back and he'll be playing. It's going to be interesting to see how he has progressed and rehabbed and how he's come back. And is he going to be the same old Andrew Luck? Is he going to take some steps back? I think it'll be a bit of a growing pain game for him. I think he'll have more turnovers than one. So I'll give him two turnovers, maybe a sack fumble on his part, but... I think Andrew Luck is one of the best young, Is if he's still young. I mean, it's all kind of subjective to your point of view, but I still think he's young. I think he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think once um, older guys like Breeze, um, Phillip Rivers, and Brady get out of the league, I think it's his league. Not directly just his, but... He is part of the group of quarterbacks where they will become the new elite, obviously. Um, But that has been questioned with the injury because he hasn't been able to throw the ball really in so long. But I think it's the form and the Andrew Luck of old will be back. Just be patient, Colts fans. I don't know if it's going to be right off the bat in this game, but he'll be there. I like the Bengals in this one, though, just because of the people around Luck aren't The O-line is still questionable, which how the hell could that even be a possibility? That's the one thing you should have shored up because of they. that's sort of why he got injured, taking all the sacks and all the hits he does, and you still don't go address that. What the fuck, Jim Irsay, but what do I know? Then another, uh, we move on to another AFC game. We have the Chiefs and the Chargers. Pat Mahomes is going to get the starts for the Chiefs. This year, taking over for Alex Smith. The Chargers are a lot of people's dark horse picks because of how well they finished the season last year. I like the Chiefs in this one. Uh, Pat Mahomes, there's still some question marks around him. He had an okay preseason. He had the big bomb to Tyreek Hill um, early on in the preseason, and that's going to continue to happen throughout the year. It's going to be interesting to see, though, how he is able to progress and develop more in shorter routes and decision-making. He's athletic. He can scramble. He's not a scrambling quarterback. He's not going to be uh, rushing for 100 yards, really, um, consistently or anything like that as a quarterback, but he is mobile, sort of I don't want to say Russell Wilson as because Russell Wilson is so so good at scrambling, but is mobile enough where he can get out of tough situations as if he's in them. Cream uh, Hunt, second year back. I think if anybody might take a step, not a step back, but just not as productive as they were the rookie year, I think it might be Kareem Hunt, but I don't think he's somebody that you're going to hate and be like, oh my gosh, Chiefs fans, Howard. How is he playing so badly? I just think he might not be as productive as he was his first year. Then the Seahawks and the Broncos are going to be playing 
425 p.m. That is going to be on Fox. I like the Seahawks in this one. Broncos are going to start Trevor Simeon. I've No, Case Keenum, excuse me. They'll be starting Case Keenum. I got my Vikings quarterbacks mixed up. Um, I do not like Case Keenum. He's a hell of a game manager, and we saw with a good game manager, i.e. old-ass Peyton Manning, and a good defense, what the Broncos have, how far they can go, a.k.a. win the fucking Super Bowl. But I just don't foresee that happening this year. I think Case uh, just isn't the guy. They got rid of Paxton Lynch. I don't think he was the guy either. They don't have a lot of really good, talented players on their offense um they do but they're I think in the later stages of their career Demarius Thomas Emmanuel Sanders they do have a good rookie running back uh Freeman from Oregon but it's gonna be everyone's saying that he's just day one NFL ready preseason he's looked all right but I'm still not totally sold on him, and I just don't think Case Keenum is the guy. Chris Carson for Seattle, though, coming back from an injury, running back, uh, broke his leg. I'm very interested to see how he is going to do because I think he had a very, very good preseason. It's very, 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 it's three varies. That's pretty fucking good. I'm, I think he's going to do very well this year. It's another very. And... If Seattle can get back a little bit to what their identity was, running the ball, ground game. Um, They do also have Penny, the running back from San Diego State, who lit it up last year in college football. He did hurt, injure his hand, I believe. He's going to be out for at least the first. I know he's out the first week, could be out the second week. But Chris Carson is a great back, so that's something to just keep your eye on. They do lose... Jimmy Graham, so Doug Baldwin, uh, Tyler Lockett, Paul Richardson, they're all going to have to step up. And I think that's good because I think Russell Wilson to Doug Baldwin is a very underrated uh, quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL. And I think Baldwin comes back and has a big year. Earl Thomas in the secondary for uh, the Seahawks. He doesn't want to be there. Seahawks might as well trade him. Cam Chancellor, the hard-hitting safety, is gone for the Seahawks. I don't know how they do on the year, but I do think they beat the Broncos in this one. Last few games here on the NFL slate. The Cowboys go to the Panthers. Cowboys lose Des Bryant. They are a bit of a wild-card team for me this year. I'm not saying they're going to make the wild-card. I'm just saying that I don't know how they're going to be. They have Cole Beasley, they have Alan Hearns, they have uh, Bryce Butler. Oh, boy. Uh, They lose Greg Witten, the security blanket for Dak Prescott and Tony Romo for so many years. Ezekiel Elliott is going to be leaned on heavy this year, I feel like. He was gone six games last year, and it really hurt their team. Did not play well at all those games that he was gone. I think it's going to be the Zeke show down in Jerry World this year, and I think they're going to go as far as they can take them. 
The Panthers, with Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey, they bring in C.J. Anderson to be a complimentary back um, in that backfield as well. The defense is only getting better with Keekly, and that secondary, I think, is going to have a very good year this year. They are very inexperienced and young last year, um, but they definitely progressed as the year got on, and I think that's only going to continue in year two. I think the Panthers win this one, and they have a very good year themselves. Then the Sunday night game is the Bears at the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is back. There's a new defensive stud in the NFC as the Bears acquired Khalil Mack from the Raiders for a boatload of draft picks, but I think it's a great decision by the Bears because they haven't drafted well in the past, Um, and Khalil Mack is a damn good player. I wanted to say generational player, but... He's up there. He's very, very good at getting after the quarterback, um, coming up and stopping the run. He can pretty much do it all on the defensive side of the ball. So hats off to the Bears for going out there. Um, They get um, uh, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, Mitch Trubisky, a couple other guys. They brought in Trey Burton. Uh, who is the other guy? Allen Robinson, AR-15. They bring him in as well to be a receiver for Trubisky. Uh, Kevin White, the guy from West Virginia that is finally hopefully going to be healthy and play some games for them. I like the Bears to progress this season, but I think the Packers getting Aaron Rodgers back and getting Jimmy Graham they lose Jordy Nelson, though. That's big because that was Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. But um, Devontae Adams is a great receiver with Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers can make fucking anybody a good receiver, a person that's blind. You can make Helen Keller a good receiver pretty much. But I like the Packers in this one just because I think it's I mean, it's in Lambeau. It's Rodgers' first game back. It's going to have some sentimental feel, sort of, a lot of energy in that stadium. I like the Packers in this one. Then, Monday night games, Lions are going to host the Jets. Sam Darnold, Jets' first-round draft pick, is going to get the start. They trade away Teddy Bridgewater, who I think could have been a good starter. Um, They keep Josh McCowan on the roster to be a mentor to Sam Darnold. Um, I don't get that at all. They they say they want like a veteran quarterback on the roster to show rookies how to do things and how things work and how you should carry yourself and everything like that. No shit. You're going to want to get there early. You're going to want to stay late. You're going to want to study film. Like, no shit. That's obvious what a good franchise quarterback does. And if these backup veteran quarterbacks can do it so well, they'd be starters in the NFL. That's... My two cents on it, but what the hell do I know? I like the Lions in this one. They bring in LeGarrette Blunt to help a depleted running back core with uh, Amir Abdullah, who just hasn't panned out after being taken by the Lions out of Nebraska. I think he helps them a lot. Golden Tate and Marvin Jones are a good receiving core. Uh, the Lions do lose Eric Ebron, but I just think the Lions take this one, uh, get after Sam Darnold. He'll have a good game, I feel like. I think this game could be very high scoring, but I just think he makes a couple mistakes and the Lions capitalize that with Matthew Stafford and win this one. Final game. It's the nightcap. 
We get so lucky on the first week. Monday Night Football, there's a doubleheader. The Rams go to the Raiders. The Raiders, I think, are panicking. They bring in John Gruden. They get rid of Cleo Mack. They bring in Jordy Nelson. They bring in Martavius Bryant just to cut him. Um, They bring in Doug Martin to help the running game along with Marshawn Lynch, who coming out of retirement last year, had a better season than I really thought it was going to. I'm interested to see if he can continue uh, to keep putting up those bigger numbers and continue helping the offense and Derek Carr. I just... The Raiders are a big question mark for me this year. The Rams, though, they bring in Brandon Cooks. They sign a bunch of help in the secondary. They brought in uh, Marcus Peters and a couple other guys, uh, Tlaib, as well in the secondary for them. They sign Aaron Donald. They bring in Indomitian Sue. The defense should be ridiculously good. Um, Sean McVay is apparently one of the hardest working coaches in the NFL, and I truly believe that. Todd Gurley had a sensational year. I'm telling you right now, mark this. If you don't remember anything else from this episode of what I said, Todd Gurley is going to have, I don't want to say bad, and I don't want to say, I'm going to say mediocre. He's going to have a mediocre year. He's due. Every other year, he has a bad year or mediocre year. First year, amazing. Second year, not so great. Third year, set the league on fire. 19 touchdowns. This year, obviously, I don't think he's going to score 19. Uh, I'll go out and say it. I don't think he gets double-digit touchdowns, which I know some people are saying, okay, eight or nine still good. Yes, but what people are expecting out of him, eight or nine isn't that great. So that's what I'm saying, but I like the Rams in this one, and I like the Rams a lot throughout the year. All right, now I did mention I'd have my picks for who would win the divisions and make the playoffs in the AFC. Coming out of the East, I have the Patriots. Obviously, duh, they're just they're a fucking machine. It's gonna happen. Mark it. Coming out of the West, I have the Chiefs. The AFC North, the Steelers, the South, the Jags, but it's going to be a close race with the Colts. My two wild cards coming out of the AFC, I have the Colts and the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to obviously be on a lot of people's radars this year. They're already being touted as a team that could challenge in the NFC West. I don't think they end up winning it. I think the Chiefs' defense and Pat Mahomes is good enough to keep them off, but the Chargers' defense is just as good with Bosa and uh, a couple other guys they have there as well that are able to get off the court after the quarterback. The Colts, I just think Andrew Luck is going to be able to to work his magic and do what he did for them for so many years before and get them into the playoffs somehow, some way. The NFC, the East, I have the Eagles. Uh, The West, I have the Rams. The North, I have the Vikings. And the South, I have the Saints. And my two wild cards are the Packers. And then, very unsure about who's going to make the wild card in the NFC. Um... I also have the Panthers, the Falcons, the Giants. I think either of those teams... Either three of those teams has a good chance to do it. Uh, My Super Bowl pick are the Rams and the Patriots. I think it's going to be Rams-Saints in the NFC, and I think it's going to be Patriots-Steelers. I think the Patriots end up winning, and I just think that Tom Brady rides off into the sunset, and he goes out without a big hoopla or anything, and he retires, and that is that. And that is my prediction for just the NFL this year, pretty much.
right, that is episode 36 of Carson Sack Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Like, rate, review, subscribe. I can't believe I didn't tell you all to do that last week. If I did, I totally forgot. But subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I put in a lot of work to this. I greatly appreciate people that come up and actually talk to me about it. It happens quite a bit more than I ever expected doing this. Literally, I'm just sitting in my fucking room recording on a microphone I bought for 45 bucks and using GarageBand. And to see what this podcast has become, and I know it's not setting the ground on fire, but it's still the best college student podcast in the world, and I'll stand by that. And it's because of listeners like you that are listening right now and people that like, rate, review, subscribe, and tell their friends and tell their parents and show their weird uncles and everything. And I've had people tell me that they're just stepdads, their uncles, their dads, brothers, blah, 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 blah. So many people listen. That's such a diverse audience that I greatly appreciate it all. So thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There could be a new um, segment in the coming weeks. I'll have more information developing on that, but I can guarantee you the rapid fire recap We'll be back next week. It's going to be just a basic one, but there will be themes throughout the year. So stay tuned in coming episodes for those. I cannot wait to give them to you. And as we always close here on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls, we will be seeing you.